Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of 790 Sports Talk in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast to really recap the football weekend that was. And Chris, hey man, as always, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm good, John. And let me just say for the record, the SEC is not dead. We are not the worst conference in college football. We still have some good teams. It's still going to be a fun year. Everybody needs to stop burying the SEC. We're fine. Yeah, I've, I, I'll I'll agree to that. But you got to admit, man, Texas going in and beating Alabama like that is really impressive. Not saying that you know the the Bama's a shot and Saban's era is over like some are, but. Man, you got to give a lot of credit to the future SEC team, Texas, for taking down the Crimson Tide at home by 10 points. Well, here's the tough part, and I've got some friends who are Longhorn fans, and they're celebrating, and, you know, rightfully so. They, they deserve it. They played their butts off. But it's easy to get up for one game. What, what Texas is going to find out next year when they get to the conference is it's not just playing at Bama. It's playing at Bama, then playing Arkansas, then playing LSU, then at A&M. And you get Georgia. I mean, it's just that's the grind of, of an SEC schedule, and that's where the losses start to mount up. But, yeah, no surprise. I mean, look, Saban, more often than not, since Saban has been at Alabama, what's he, what's he had, like one or two undefeated seasons? Like, he, more often than not, Saban loses a game a year. Now, he usually doesn't lose much more than that, and usually they still find a way to rally. And, uh, you know, today, while a lot of people, national folks, are burying Alabama, I would say – you know, the odds are good that they're going to recoup, they're going to rebuild uh, or, or, you know, come back together and come back stronger, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Alabama runs the table. Now, if they play like they did on Saturday, no, they, they're going to have at least one or two more losses down the, down the way. But, um, you know, this is what Nick Saban does. He, every time he loses a game, he regroups and finds a way to, to get stronger from it and, would not surprise me if Alabama does that. But, yeah, I mean, look, again, Texas celebrated. It's a great win. But, again, like when you get to the SEC, that grind week in and week out, that's, that's where it takes its toll. Texas has the receivers to match up with Alabama's secondary. But just gauging it from that game, what looks to be a bigger issue for Bama? Is it the secondary or is it Jalen Milrow and what they have going on at quarterback? Well, Milrow is – it's it's an issue, right? Um, you know, they, they um, the, the the turnovers is what killed them, but the lack of the run game and the defense not being very aggressive, I thought, is what killed them. Um, keep this in mind, guys. How how long have y'all been watching Nick Saban at Alabama? When's the last game you can remember an Alabama defense that didn't record an interception or a sack in a game? I mean, that's that was the most mind boggling stat I saw. I was like, they didn't get a sack. Uh, Dallas Turner, who's supposed to be this heir apparent to Will Anderson, you know, had, had an awesome freshman year two years ago. He worked in two weeks of the season, and he has zero sacks. Like, that, that to me is just shocking, um, you know, when you talk about Alabama. So, that, so, you know, I was hearing from Alabama fans all offseason about this might be their most talented running back room that they've ever had. And, oh, they're so deep and all these different weapons, Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams and Jam Miller, I mean, they ran for 100 yards on, on Texas, and that was it. So that's the type of game Bama normally, you know, runs all over you for 250, 300 yards, and they, they weren't able to do that. But I will say, like all that said, Alabama went into the fourth quarter trailing by four, 
they had all the momentum in the world, and uh, you know, and then the, the the interception comes. But like, also kudos to Sark. Like those games when they get close, what do we typically see from teams? They kind of they clam up. They go, all right, we're going to run the football. We're going to try to eat up clock and get out of here with the win. Sark said, no, full pedal to the metal. Even when Alabama took the lead on him, they said, we're going deep and, and kept throwing it. And uh, that's what you have to do to beat Alabama. you got to call bold, bold plays, make big plays down the field, and they made them. Um, you know, that, that, was, that was what was different about that game this past weekend. Because, man, didn't it feel like, like late in that third quarter, uh, you know, they, they scored the touchdown, they're up 16-13. It felt like, hey, this might be – this might be where Texas clams up and they go away, but kudos to Sark. They trusted uh, the passing game and they kept flinging it downfield. Speaking of a team from Texas, and that's actually in the SEC right now, A&M went on the road to Miami and, and really got it taken to them. I know they were able to score some points, but losing 48-33, to uh, it's probably going to bounce them out of the top 25, and uh, or it has bounced them out of the top 25, and so people are you know, starting to wonder about things anyways. But just the SEC West in general, tell like, what did you make of that game and just the SEC West after two weeks as far as the predicted order of finish, as far as how you feel about how the teams are going to stack up? Have you changed your mind anyway uh, as far as just two weeks into the season? Yeah, a little bit. And keep in mind, you, you talk about, you know, A&M did score some points. You know, they, they blocked a punt to start the game. They set up a short field to score one of them. They had, a, you know, Miami had some missed field goals. I mean, they were, they were things that, worked in the Aggies' favor, and they still weren't able to capitalize and still lost by double digits. Um, I think I think the offense is okay. I think Petrino's effect is, is going to be fine. Uh, I thought they should have ran the ball a lot better than they did against Miami, and this is where not having a Devon A-Shane or, you know, that the, the type of stud running back A&M's had in recent years, not having that guy right now is, is kind of hurting them. But I thought Connor Wegman was fine. He did throw – he had two interceptions. One of them came late in the game. Um, but, you know, I, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll continue to throw for a ton of yards. Touchdown. They have some stud uh, receivers there. But that defense is is really – D.J. Durkin's got to do some soul searching and figure out what went wrong here because you give up 450 yards of offense to the Miami Hurricanes. I mean, Tyler Van Dyke was 21 of 30 for 374, five touchdowns and no picks. Like, that's just – that's unacceptable. Like, for you being an SEC-caliber defense with four- and five-star talent all over the place, man, you got to do better than that. And so, look, they'll get UL Monroe at home this week. They can they can fix some of their woes there. But then it's Auburn, and then it's Arkansas, and then Alabama right after that. So there is a stretch here for A&M where they can run off a bunch of losses. They also have to go to Tennessee after Alabama. So um, – They've got to figure this out and figure this out quick. Now, Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery, they'll pose some, they'll pose some issues for that defense in two weeks. Uh, I'll be curious to see what Arkansas looks like by then because, as we know, Arkansas didn't look all that great this past week. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this, this is it. This is put up for shut-up time for Jimbo. And if, this, if, if they play like they did this past weekend down the stretch of the year, he will not be the A&M coach by the end of the season. Chris, A&M always has athletes on defense. So what was the biggest issue for that defense in that game against Miami? Yeah, I just think not not like not position right. They did a good job of slowing down Miami's run game. But the DBs that they were supposed to be loaded with are not very good. Like, Damani Richardson is this, like, fifth-year uh, defensive back coming back for, you know, 
another season. There were a lot of people thought he was going to go off to the pros, but he decided to come back one more year. He was the guy on a lot of those receivers that were catching the ball downfield wide open. So, yeah, they, I, it might be steam. It might be just they don't have the, the talented DBs that they thought they would have. Uh, but but that's the big key. I mean, the linebackers are fine. The defensive front is fine. You know, they, they had a couple of sacks in this one, Shamar Stewart, Shamar Turner, but they've got to get the, that secondary fix. I mean, it almost looks like Arkansas' secondary last year. Yeah, that's like one that's of the – joke, by the way. Come on. Yeah, no, I was just saying, like, it, it's one of those things that actually Arkansas seems to have improved on as the secondary for one. So <laughs> it's been a little different. Uh, I, yeah, we'll get some other games. But just since you mentioned Arkansas before – uh, you know, people here, of course, in Arkansas, they're like they're, they're concerned, they're worried, they're like the offensive line doesn't look good, the rushing attack's not looking good. Uh, do you see some legit reasons for Razorback fans to be concerned, or do you feel like there's some things that they can get and improve upon, and they can get better, and they can be just fine this season? Yeah, I did hit the panic button when when they said Rocket Sanders was going to miss a couple weeks because I felt like with AJ Green and Dubinian and, and Johnson, like I thought. I thought the backfield's talented enough that, that they could survive without him. But I don't understand. And I watched the game. I had it on. I mean, I, I get the multiple TV thing going on. But every time I looked up, it was just like it was short passes from KJ. And like, I was like, when are they going to stretch the field here? And I know with the running clock, you get a lot much less uh, you know possessions this year. And uh, I just thought, like, that was a game, like, KJ Fisher with 136 passing yards, like that, just feels like a game that they should have. He should have 300 passing yards. Um, and, and look, a win is a win. Ultimately, you just survive in advance and keep going. But I also wonder how much of it is just uninspired because you're playing such crappy opponents. You know, you you know you're on your schedule. You're opening Western Carolina and Kent State. The fans aren't excited about that. They're not fired up. I, I got to think some of that resonates to the players, and they're not fired up. Um, hopefully we see a much more inspired effort this week against BYU because this is a, this is a, a much better team than the first two teams you face, uh, albeit, you know, it, they are 2-0. and They're not some world beater, but uh, this will be your best test of the season with BYU, and then after that, it's a road trip to LSU, and uh, they look much improved this past weekend. So, yeah, I don't know, Danny knows play calling. I don't know, you know, just offensive line not, not doing their job, whatever it is. I'm just shocked when I was looking at the, the passing numbers today around the SEC, and I see that, you know, KJ Jefferson, Joe Milton, and Will Rogers are near the bottom of the conference in passing yards for two weeks. And I'm going, what in the world? Like, this is completely upside down from what we were, you know, expecting. Around the NFL, which teams were you most impressed by, and also individual performances you may have been impressed by? Yeah. Um, Obviously, Cowboys last night was, was super impressive. The, the 49ers, I wondered, losing to Nico Ryan, who you know, had been that architect of that defense in recent years. They just picked up right where they left off. Uh, defense holds the Steelers to seven points. Um, you know, they rack up 30. Christian McCaffrey's a stud. Brandon Ayuk's ridiculous. And looks like Brock Purdy's just going to pick up right where he left off. So that was impressive. Um, you know, some duds like the Vikings. I don't understand how Kirk Cousins could continue to throw for 340 yards, two touchdowns, yet they can't score points. Like, how do you only score 17 on that bad Bucks team at home? Um, you know, th- there were just a lot of duds. Uh, obviously, the Dolphins, I think, was a lot of fun to see. A lot of people are, you know, all the talk of the Bills and the and the and the Jets. That's the big game tonight. And a lot of people wonder if, if the winner of that is going to win the the AFC East, while the Dolphins are still there, and Tua looked incredible.
incredible. 460 yards passing and a big road win at the Chargers. So, yeah, that the Dolphins were impressive, the Niners were impressive, and the Cowboys were impressive. I just wonder, uh, can the Cowboys keep playing like that week in and week out? If they do, they're going to they're gonna run away with the NFC East, and uh, the Eagles might take that big step back this year. Speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 and the Locked On SEC podcast here on the phone lines. So, uh, Chris, obviously a team that uh, you guys have been watching very closely, the Houston Texans. Just what did you make of C.J. Stroud's uh, debut? I know they lost 25-9 to to the to the Ravens, but were there things that happened in the game to make the fans feel like it's going in the right direction, it's going to be all right, and it's going to look good? And uh, Like, what could you take from that? Yeah, they've had four injuries on the offensive line, and then they had one in-game that uh, you know they threw out Michael Dieter at right tackle. I, I don't know if he's ever played right tackle he got his butt beat immediately when he went in there. So, can't take too much away. I thought CJ did the best with the hand he was dealt. But, look, they were double-digit underdogs anyway at Baltimore. And, and the Ravens, in the John Harbaugh era, allow 17.5 points per game at home. So, I kept joking with people last week. I was saying, I kept saying, you think the Texans could score 17? And everybody asked that no. <laughs> uh, and so, that held true. They only scored nine. But, I think it'll look a lot better this week. They're at home against the Colts. They host. Uh, the Colts and Anthony Richardson. And uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, Will Anderson got his first career sack this past week for the Texans in his first game. He's the first Houston Texan to ever do that, record a sack as a rookie in their first game played. But it, kind of the same, you know, against Lamar Jackson containing him running quarterback. Expect more of the same with Anthony Richardson this week, of course, the, the rookie from Florida. So, um, you know, they, they're favored by a point. They should win this week at bounce back. But, it was kind of what was expected. I mean, the Ravens were supposed to win. The Ravens were not all that impressive. Like, Lamar Jackson didn't do a whole heck of a lot, but uh, they got a win. And uh, I think they are a legit team to watch in the AFC this year uh, just because Lamar's that special. And they finally have some weapons for him to throw the football to, like Dave Flowers. Being that great defensive mind that D'Amico Ryans is, have you seen some differences in that defense this year? Oh, yeah. I mean, go look at what they did yesterday against Lamar Jackson. I mean, this is a guy who's a former MVP, and they held him to 169 passing and just 38 yards rushing and, and no touchdowns. You know, all the touchdowns came from the running back. So uh, they also picked him off. So, yeah, it was a much-improved defense. I think it was funny. You know, a lot of Texas fans were, were saying today, you know, I never want to be happy after a win, but how can you not be happy with what the defense gave you? I mean, they, they kept you in it. It's just the offense was so bad because of the offensive line. So, yeah, the future looks bright. I keep comparing it to, you know, go look at Trevor Lawrence's numbers as a rookie. He went through some growing pains. He had some high moments. He had a lot of lows that year. But the hope is, you know, a guy like Stroud. And the same goes for Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. They're all going to go through their growing pains this year. What do they look like next year and year two? How, who takes that big step forward? And obviously we're seeing that for Trevor Lawrence already in year three. He seems to keep taking that step forward. Yeah, and looking at some of the other games, too, from yesterday, you know, still uh, some questions that need to be answered because it's just one game after one week. But, uh, you know, you mentioned the the Cowboys and the Giants game, and, you know, that one was a blowout. But uh, as far as uh, some teams that maybe uh, you really want to see more from, maybe ones that are feeling really good, right? Like, you know, the Browns and Bengals was an interesting game because uh, Joe Burrow and having less than 100 yards was a weird thing. It's just a matter of, well, what are some of the games or some of the teams that you say, hey, this could be good, they could be good, but you need to see a lot more from them? Yeah, well, Joe Burrow had no business playing in that game. I, I Look, I admire the guy's moxie. You know, what he did at LSU was, was incredible, and what he's done with Cincinnati since he's out there has been incredible. But his whole mentality of, I'm good coach, let me play, 
sometimes common sense has to come in and go, dude, you're not ready. Uh, you know, you get hurt at the beginning of the preseason and, you know, hey, the recovery's coming along great, but he had no business being out on that football field yesterday. And uh, the Browns just got after him with, uh, you know, a couple of sacks, a couple of hits, and he just couldn't complete balls down the field. He just was not NFL ready yesterday. So I thought that was pretty ridiculous. Now, on the flip side, Deshaun Watson looked, uh, you know, not as bad, but he looked bad too. They're probably the worst interception you'll see of the season. So, you know, Browns find a way to win. Um, you know, Falcons are going to be a fun team to watch. They beat the Panthers. The Saints eked out a win against the uh, the Titans. I've had some friends tell me, watch the Falcons. That that could be a team that could sneak in and, and win nine games in the NFC, NFC South, and that might be enough to win that division. So keep an eye on them. Uh, but, yeah, like the Vikings, they got to do more. You know, again, Kirk Cousins, like, dude, cut out the mistakes, whatever it is. Bears, we thought this was going to be that big year. Justin Fields takes that big step forward. And, man, after after seeing him in week one, I think the Bears might be in the Caleb Williams sweepstick uh, when it's all said and done. And then how about the Sean Payton debut in Denver? They open with an onside kick. There's all this goodwill and momentum. And then they score three points in the second half and lose by a point. I mean, that, you know, with all the resources they have invested in Russell Wilson, I just, I think he might be done. I think that might be it. Um, so, We'll, uh, we'll see as they go along. But, yeah, you never want to overreact to week one because, you know, every year there's always anomalies, weird things happen. But it's hard not to overreact to some of the performances we saw yesterday. More surprising to you the Rams going in and beating the Seahawks at home or the way the Packers look against the Bears in Chicago? It's the Packers. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the doubters of Jordan Love. I, I you know, I just had never seen it in his limited sample size in the games he had started uh, or played in behind Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I, you couldn't play much better than that. I mean, 245 yards, three touchdowns, no pick, only sacked once, and they got Aaron Jones to my uh, fantasy team depth detriment. I think in every league I'm in, I played Aaron Jones. He kicked my ass yesterday. So, uh, yeah, Green Bay looked good, man. I, again, maybe it's just Chicago stinks that bad, but uh, – great you know pass with flying colors Jordan Love in week one and uh it, it, it just it's kind of not fair like they go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and now if Jordan Love keeps playing like this like come on man there's got to be a dud somewhere in there how do you guys keep getting the, the luck of all luck when it comes to quarterback play it's crazy real quick for what you get out of here Chris this weekend in college football is not a whole lot of marquee matchups within themselves but which game is going to have your uh, most attention this weekend in college football yeah, we get we get in the SEC play a little bit. I think uh, LSU at Mississippi State is a sneaky good one because Mississippi State's got a really good defense, and I'm surprised. I'm shocked LSU opened as a 10-point favorite there. Uh, South Carolina at Georgia, we saw this past weekend. When you protect Spencer Rattler, give him time to throw, he will ball out. He's one of the top leaders in the SEC in passing yards. So if they can block the Georgia front, front four, I think South Carolina's got a chance. Georgia has not been impressive. They have no run game to speak of. So that's a sneaky good one. And watch out, Tennessee. If Joe Milton throws like he did last week down in the swamp this weekend, they're on upset alert. Florida can pull off that that, that win this weekend. So a couple of fun SEC games right out of the gate and a couple teams already uh, on upset alert. Well, Chris, man, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Always fun to recap the weekend of college football and NFL and enjoy the week. And next week, I'm sure we'll be catching up with you, recapping some other great games, all right? Yeah, and go get a win over those Cougars, guys, all right? I'm done with the Mormons. <laughs> yeah, so I think that uh, everybody Razorback fans are hoping for that. Have a good one, Chris. All right, thanks, guys.